Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. The wind, so you can't control it, you can't predict it, you don't ever know what's happened. And, and God moves that way. And God needs to, has, works through men that are that way. That, that personality can be your weakness and your strength. Everything that you have is an asset or a, and a liability to you. Everything you have is an asset and a liability to you. You have a lot of money, it's, it's an asset to you. But the, it's a liability because everybody wants it. If you don't give them some, they're going to hate you. Rockefeller, Rockefeller had a lot of money. And it was an asset to him. But then he couldn't even walk out on the streets. People thunk rocks at him because they were starving in the Depression. So he couldn't even ride the bus. They'd chunk rocks at him and knock the windows out. So it was a great asset to him, but it was a great liability. What you are and what you possess in your spirit, everything you have, everything God's given you, it, it's an asset to you, but it'll, it's a liability to you also. Now, Donald Trump is that way. He has assets and liabilities. In his, in his assets also lies his story. Peter was that way. All the men of God we know of in the Word of God, they're that way. They're man. And the best of men are but men. <laughs> you understand that? The best of men are but men. But God uses those kind of men because that's the only kind he has to use. And so after Donald Trump was elected president, and uh, I didn't know what to think about this guy. This guy's like lightning. He's like the wind. He, he's shifty. You never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to do. You never know. And, and, and a lot of people as Christians, we think, you know, he's saying things, uh, hey, that's strange. He shouldn't say it that way. He shouldn't do it that way. So, but somehow... Believer, but he stands for what we stand for. He stands for what we stand for. Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus one day, and they said, they're talking about, hey, we know some other people over here, and, and you know, they're casting out devils, and they're, they're doing great works, but they're not doing it. They're, they're not following us. They're not with us, but they're over there doing it. And they said, you know, what should we do about it? And Jesus looked at them and said, look, he that's not against us is with them. Just keep walking and keep smiling. He's not opposing us, so he that's not with us is for us. That's the way Jesus handled it. Now, so with all that in our minds, and, and, and lo and behold, against all odds, against all hope, against all hope, you know, the world laughed at the idea that a guy like this would ever be elected. He's started on the news every day. Abraham, against all hope, he had faith. He believed against hope. Hope is the biggest enemy of faith because hope is always tomorrow and in the future, and faith is now. Now faith! Okay, so uh, all this was going on. In, in the minds of Christians, in the minds of the church. And, and I'm no, I was no exception. I said, God, what is going on? What is going on? And I, I, I was searching and, 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 and looking for an answer, for a confirmation uh, in, in God about this. And remember, not long after Trump got elected, that there was... A, a, a newscast, and they made a little mime, a little program, and they, they on national TV, 
And it showed Donald Trump, you know, here he was the president, but they, they portrayed him as weak. And so, remember? And, and so on, on this little program that they aired it on national TV, uh, that Donald Trump was up here and three or four guys came and surrounded him and they threw him down. You remember that? And they were trying to portray him as weak and themselves as powerful. And uh, I saw that. And I, I saw it. And then I was in, I was just waiting before God one day. And I saw that in a different light. I saw it in the spirit. And I saw Donald Trump and, and those guys came and they wrestled him down. Spiritual warfare, they wrestled him down. And they threw him down. And, and, and that little program on TV showed him down on the ground. They wrestled him down, threw him down. And so in, in this vision, I walked over and just walked over and looked down at him. And he was laying down on his side on one, with his head on one hand like this. When I walked over and looked at him, he looked up at me. <laughs> and he said, you know, he knew what I was thinking. He was in pretty good, bad shape. He was down. And, uh, and you know what he said to me? He turned and he looked up at me this way. He said, I'm down, but I'm not out. When I walked in this service this morning before anything happened, I walked into service this morning before anything happened, before any word was said. Sit down on my seat, and God spoke to me that phrase, down and out. Well, down and out, we use it all the time. We use it all the time, down and out. And God said, yes, most people, they're down, and they're out of everything. That's what that means. Okay, so, and I walked over and looked at, and he looked up at me. And I saw something settle it forever in my mind about Donald Trump. And what I saw when he looked up at me, and I want you to get this. He looked up at me, and the hair of his head, that golden white hair of his head, was was little tiny feathers, little tiny feathers all over his head and his sideburns. They were little tiny golden white feathers. And he looked at me from the side and I saw his profile. And his profile, I want you to get this, it's gonna, something's gonna go all over you when I tell you this. He, his profile from the side. You know how he combs his hair, whoops it back like that? And when he turned and looked at me from the side, he had the face of a vigilant eagle. He would, and, and, and look at him. You look at him. Every time you look at him, he has the head and the face and the profile of an eagle. What does America, what's the symbol of America? A vigilant eagle. It's on all of our emblems. It's on all of our seals. It's an eagle. It's an eagle. It's an eagle. It's an eagle. It's a powerful bird. It's a bird who speaks of victory. It's, he was an eagle. He was an eagle. And that's exactly what he looks like. And you look at him every time he comes on TV. Look at all of his pictures. His profile looks like an eagle. And in my vision, he had those little feathers. And, and God spoke to me, this man is an eagle. He's the eagle that God has put over this nation to be a vigilant eagle. Yes, he has problems and he has things that are assets and things that are liability to him, but he is an eagle. You can be an eagle too. <laughs> now, 
the words have came forth this morning. We're in an end time battle. We're in an end time battle. I study about it. I see it all the time. Uh, we're in the end time battle. This was about the time is coming. The time is coming. It's a time for a showdown for America. We're going to lose it. We're going to lose it or save it. We're going to lose it or save it. The end is coming. It is time. It is time. It is time. There's a time that's coming for a separation of the sheep and the goats. There's a time that's coming for a separation of the eagles and the turkeys in the kingdom. There's a time. The time is coming. And I sat down this morning and God spoke to, on the way to church and God spoke to me, high noon. I thought, God, what? What are, what are you saying? High noon, high noon, high noon. And, and, and then God spoke to me. I remember that movie. Wasn't it Gregory Peck? High noon, high noon, high noon. And you know what? I sat back here and I wept sitting in my seat. And as I realized, and, and there's a whole lot of stuff in high noon. And, but the thing that I saw was, I saw that his, his moment of truth was coming. His hour was coming. And uh, he had pulled that watch out. High, 12 o'clock was the hour for the showdown. And he had pulled that watch out. And, and it says 11.30. And that clock was ticking. Tick, 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 tick. And then he'd put it back in his pocket. And he'd, he, he would do some other things. He'd, he'd pull out that big watch and then put it at the camera. And it was ticking. Uh, 15 minutes till noon. Tick, 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 tick. And I want to tell you something, saints. It's only a few minutes till high noon. Till high noon. The men that are in power and that need to know the timing of the events and the Congress of World Leaders a few years ago they put a clock up, and they tried to estimate how long it was until nuclear destruction would burn this earth because of nuclear proliferation. And you know what they did? They put a clock on the wall. And with all their ability to estimate, they'd move that hand up closer and closer to noon, day, to, noon to the time. And I want to tell you something. For the church and for the world, that clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. And there's a showdown coming. It's happening before your eyes on TV. And there's a vigilant eagle in that White House you may not like, but he is an eagle, and God put him there for a time such as this, for a day such as this. Now, and and we've been admonished this morning to pray for him. I'm going to tell you how you pray for him. Don't pray defensive prayers and don't pray that God will do something you need to fail God was talking to me this morning to come in you need to you need to do something offensive we don't need to sit here and wait and holler hold a fort to Jesus coming Jesus coming and help me to hold out to the end no that's defensive that's weakness we're supposed to pray Offensive prayers. Offensive prayers. We're supposed to be the, the attack dog for the kingdom. The attack dog for the kingdom. Years ago, I was sitting over in, in, in the office over at River uh, Oasis. A bunch of men talking about different workers in the church and potentials for pastors and, and, uh, and, and a man of God sitting over there, Pat Wilburn. He, all of a sudden, he, they was analyzing me, yeah, analyzing me. And they said a lot of bad stuff about me that it was true, yeah. And um, so Pat Wilburn, all of a sudden, because they was thinking about who would be their pastor, potential pastor. They, you know, they had a lot of guys leaving. That pulpit was open a lot, and, and, and they, was, uh, they were talking to anybody that might come and, 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 and get them out of their trouble. So anyway, in, in that... In, in that conversation, you know, one spoke this and another spoke that. And then they spoke, uh, Pat Wilburn sitting over there. He said, yeah, he said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, boys. He said, wait a minute. He said, 
Yeah, I know James is a loose cannon. That's what somebody has said that. He said, I know he's a loose cannon. I know he's a lot of things. I know he has assets and liabilities, <laughs> a whole lot of liabilities. But he said, James is. He said two words and closed his mouth. He said, James is impetuous and bold. And closed his mouth. He didn't say anything else. I didn't know if he was complimenting me or bragging on me. I didn't know if he was talking about my assets or my liabilities. But uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. And so I walked away from out there and while I didn't know. And so uh, I was, went to a Bible study helps and I looked up the words, impetuous and bold. Oh. And it says, Caleb. Caleb was a man that was impetuous and bold. God changed my world when I wrote that. I knew who I was. I knew my place in the battle. I knew who I was. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew the timing of everything. I knew the timing on my life. I am Caleb! Hallelujah! Uh, if I had all day, I'd preach some of that to you. But anyway, I'm Caleb, and I rejoice. But then I read somewhere else in another Bible help, and I looked up the word Caleb, and it says, dog. Boy, I, I tell you, that just, I just, my spirit just fell. Oh, God, how could this be? Caleb means dog. <laughs> but I read a little further. <laughs> uh, I read a little further, and it says, dog, like a vicious attack dog that guards the enemies of the, the, the king's court. A dog, a vicious attack, attack dog that guards the king's property. Oh, oh, I feel good again. <laughs> Hallelujah! Now then, so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be like God's attack dogs. Now I'm going to tell you how, how to do it. God spoke to me sitting back here, and I've been doing it for weeks. When God, when they were building the Tower of Babel, and God decided to do something about it, what did he do? He didn't go down there and, and send an army down there to tear the thing down. What did God do? God just spoke a word of confusion to those guys that were building that thing that was in defiance against him. And they showed up to work one, Sunday, one morning, and, and, and the bosses on the job, they told so-and-so, you go do this and you do that. But his, his tongues were changed, and the man that he was instructing couldn't understand the word he said. So God sent and God spoke confusion to those men, and he stopped that project. That's easy. That's easy to just speak a word. So for two or three weeks, I've been speaking confusion in the camp of the enemy. Every one of you needs to do it. You don't even have to leave the TV. When you're watching TV in that news report and the enemy that's trying to hinder and to stop all the what God's trying to do, when they come on, speak to them in the, call them in the, by name. Speak confusion into their camp in the name of Jesus. It is, speak confusion to them. I've been in courtrooms and trials going down. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, I just sat out there in the pew. Sat out there in the pew. And when, when the defense attorney got up, or the prosecuting attorney got up, and began to speak things against that case, you know what I did? I spoke confusion to mama. Confusion. Confusion to the opposition. And if I am living one of the court cases that determine uh, 
had a great determination in my family. And I sat there, and I, when they, I spoke confusion to them. And those witnesses, they got so confused. They spoke absolute, they spoke things that nobody could believe. Nobody could believe. And one of those witnesses says, you know, with, with, with one hand, I was doing something else when this thing went down. With one hand, I was doing something else. And then with the other hand, I was doing so-and-so. And with the other hand, I was doing something else. And, and, and our, <laughs> our attorney got up after that, and he said, Miss So-and-so. He said, you said, with this hand you was doing something, and this other hand you were doing something else. But he said, and then you said, with another hand you was doing something else. He said, would you mind to tell the court where you got that third hand? And she looked like a fool. Needless to say, we won the case. We walked out of there, it was ours, it was ours, because I spoke confusion. Listen, so every time one of those reports come on, every time they come on there, trying to sow discord and confusion in our nation, and uh, just rare back in the name of Jesus, and speak confusion, and speak defense vision into their camp, and, that's, and, and, and you can have a great effect on what's happening in Washington, D.C. John, I apologize for messing up your message this morning. <laughs> Me and Scott Gregory were out praying for a man that had cancer yesterday, and we were praying for him, and I got a call from Dusty. My, my grandson. And he said, <laughs> he said, hey, Grandpa, he said, I'm having a prayer meeting over here with a bunch of young men I know. They, they went to, for a while down to this Otis Baptist Church. A little uh, spirit-filled man took it and uh, tried to pastor it. And, and, uh, but, but that traditional spirit rose up against him and he just had to walk away anyway and so he said but they're still good friends and they have home meetings and he said could you come over here in a little bit about 5 30 he said uh, uh, there's a group of us young guys over here and he said could you come over here <laughs> and tell us how to do it <laughs> I said yeah be glad to so I went over, and I took my place, and I was sitting there, and I behaved, and the young man that was leading it, the one that was their pastor when they were there, and uh, he, they was teaching out of the book of Acts, now the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And I said, this ought to be interested, a bunch of Baptists teaching out of the book of Acts. And uh, so I sat there, and, and I said, God, I'm, I promise I'm going to behave. And they started reading and commenting on the book of Acts, commenting on the book of Acts, commenting on the book of Acts. And, and, and then they would, he would read a few verses and they'd talk about it. And uh, so they was reading a few, few verses about in the book of Acts, you know, they prayed. And the power of God came on them. They went out and did signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what the book of Acts is all about, uh, doing things, doing great things in the power of the Spirit. So, and, and they was talking about prayer, how they prayed in the book of Acts. And, and so then they'd stop and discuss it. And, and I sat there, I behaved, I was proud of myself for a long time. And uh, uh, they were, he, he discussed it. And then a young man over here sitting on the right, he had sang beautiful songs. Just a young man with a tender, meek spirit. I just loved him when I first met him. But then he was sitting over here, and he was talking about, yeah, he said, when we pray, we need to recognize the greatness of God and 
how powerful he is. Look at here at this eagle. Look. Turn around and look. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. And so, meanwhile, back at the prayer meeting. And, uh, he, and so he, he said, you know, when we pray, we ought to recognize and realize the greatness of God and the power of God and His ability to do things in our lives and to control things in our lives, to control the powers of the evil one and to, and to control them and do something about it and realize that when we come and ask God to come and, and, contr and control these evil things in our lives, we need to realize that when we pray and ask for God to come to do it. And I tell you, in my, my spirit, I came up out of that chair in my spirit first. My body was still sitting down, but my spirit was standing up. See, one time, it was this little girl, and you know, she was doing a lot of things. Her mama told her to sit down and shut up. She sat down, but she said, Mama, I'm sitting down in my body, but on the inside of me, I'm still standing up. <laughs> yeah, I was still sitting in the chair, but on the inside of me, I was standing up. I came to my feet because, and I said, you know, I, I can go with part of what you said, but I said, there's no place in the Bible, not one place where Jesus, in Jesus' ministry, that Jesus said, God, come down here and do something about these demons and devils and sickness and disease. Not one time did Jesus ask God to come do it because God had anointed him with power and all power in heaven and earth. And he said, sent Jesus out to do it in his name with the power of his word. He didn't send him out to pray that he'd come do it. If God was going to come do it, God, why did he send Jesus? He just came down and did it himself. But so I shared that with him. And then I told him, I said, this Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost, I said, there's not one place in the book of Acts, not one place in the book of Acts that any of those 12 that he sent out in Luke 9 or the 70 that he sent out in Luke uh, 10, what did he do? He gathered them together. And he said, uh, I give you power and authority. He said, you go out into your cities and villages and kick butt. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, you go out there, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Go do it. We're not doing it. God Gregory told me something last week that just, just illustrates this. Somehow through his association, he sponsors a missionary that we've sent to the field from this community. This community, we've sent them to the mission field. And Scott said the other day that that young missionary called, called back into America. And this is what she said. She said, she went out in one of those villages and a woman filled with demonic spirits came and fell down on the ground before her and cried out to her and said, please, I am full of spirits. Please help me. Please do something. Please do something. And you know what she said? She said, I did not know what to do. She didn't do anything. She had not been taught what to do. Only thing she had been taught was to pray that God would come and do something. So she was helpless and powerless, and she said, I just, I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't do anything. And I said, oh, God, oh, God, if she only knew, if she only knew the Word, and if she only knew that she was sent there to do that, and that she had the power to do it, Well, that's the way it works. Be offensive and be go on the offensive.
<laughs> well, I can follow that. Uh, oh, Corey went back there. I was going to pray for her. Uh, why don't you two come up and stand in, in for her? She, they're leaving Tuesday. And now, is this for the surgery or just a follow-up visit? Okay, I want to pray anyway. Liz, would you anoint them with the wall? I was going to do that during the music and totally forgot. Come right over where they can see you. And uh, we're going to pray for their safe trip. You go to Houston, right? And uh, I want to pray for wisdom for her doctor and healing for her, for Corey, okay? So stick your hands out this way. Father, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that has already been exhibited here this, this morning. Father, we, we love you, and we have faith right now to, to pray and believe on Corey's behalf. I'm asking that you will keep them all safe as they're traveling there and back. Give her doctor wisdom. Father, let them hear a good report. And Father, if, if, uh, if she still needs that other surgery, then I pray, Lord, that it'll be perfect. And she will never have pain or any kind of disruption from, from her hips for the rest of her life. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Uh, I'm just going to say a couple of things, and uh, and then we're going to go. But I want I want to ask you this question because most people get it wrong. We we all know that God sent Moses to Egypt to get his people out. Who knows where he was taking them? Anybody else? That's what we always say, the promised land. And actually, that's wrong. He was taking them to Mount Sinai. That's where Moses met God, and that is exactly what he wanted Moses to do, take his people out of bondage to Mount Sinai. That's where the burning bush was. That's where Moses saw the, the power and the anointing of God himself. God told him, get on your face, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Now, I want you to think for a minute, because this applies to you. Those people have been in bondage 450 years, doing other men's works, building up trophies and obelisks and all kinds of things to show how great they were. And they didn't get anything. They, they barely got to eat. No sooner had they left Egypt. By the way, they took all the gold and silver. Pharaoh said, take all that. I don't want you to ever come back. They were rich, but they were also miserable because they were in the desert and they were lost. And lost people are angry people. Sometimes some of you in here get lost and you get angry. God over and over, and I appreciate what James said today because it's very important over and over in my spirit God is saying to me, in this day, in this hour, you have got to find your God. You've got to do whatever it takes to find your God. And, and the first thing you've got to do is stop being selfish. Stop looking at yourself all the time. Help somebody else. Get out there and minister to somebody. But you need to make time every day, every day, that you can talk to your God that you can worship your God, just you and Him. I've been doing more counseling the last month than I've ever done, and I, it's, it's hard. One of the things that bothers me, and please hear this, when I'm marriage counseling or whatever, the, the thing that I'm missing, it's missing. Two people come in, they're married, Almost from the minute they walk in, they're fighting. They're defending their, their self, de defending their position in the marriage. They're, they're speaking loudly. They've even cussed a few times. And what's missing? It's the brokenness. Brokenness. When Moses came on that burning bush, it just said, take your shoes off. Let me tell you something. He got on his face broken. He had murdered a man in Egypt. That's what caused him 
to get out. Sometimes God will cause things to happen or he will allow things to happen to get you out of where you are and take you into the wilderness because that's the only place that some of you will ever meet him. He gets you to a place where you, you ain't got a TV. You don't got a, a rabbit gun. It's just you and him and the desert. And when you get desperate, you'll cry out for your God. And we are in the last days, and you're going to see the desperation. We're already seeing it, but you're going to see it increase. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. You've got to hear it. Without your God, you will die. Men's hearts will fail them for fear, Matthew 24. You've got to find your God. You've got to get him in your heart. You've got to have a, a, a relationship with him every minute of every day. He's got to be that close to you. Pray in the Spirit. Use the gifts that God has given you. Now, how long were they out there? They were out there 40 years, but the, back then, the average time of a generation was 40 years. He had them out there that long, listen to this, to ensure that every person, with the exception of two, who came out of Egypt, the rest of them died. Now, there may have been a few others that survived, but uh, Joshua and Caleb, the, the rest of them died. That whole generation of gripers, moaners, and complainers, he wasn't going to take those people into the promised land. And they all died. One good thing about the wilderness, the ladies got pregnant. Oh yeah, when you're in the wilderness, there's not a whole lot to do. And they raised up a whole new generation. Now when, when Moses took them out of Egypt, all of them were circumcised. But during that 40 years, he didn't circumcise any of the, the new ones, the babies. But they were circumcised before they, st they stepped across that Jordan River into God's promised land. Now, don't get that word mixed up. They still, they still had to work. They got over there. The manna stopped falling from the sky. The minute they ate, they ate the old corn from the promised land, the manna stopped coming. God will bless you if you'll obey him. They had to work, and they saw the fruits of their labors rise up in their midst, and God blessed that generation. God is a good God, but he's also a judge. Moses, the man that, that was behind the whole thing, God said to him, I'm not taking you into the promised land. You're a man of war. You got blood on your hands. He used him in great ways. He did a great thing, though. God took him up on a high place. And he let him look, and, and, and I can just see this, Moses looking in a 360-degree circle. And God said, everything you see is yours from now until the end of time. Jordan, that, that belongs to Israel. <laughs> Lebanon belongs to Israel. <clears throat> now Israel has been de uh, designated to a little small piece of land that's less than half the size of New Mexico. They're surrounded on every side by people who want to kill them and an ocean on the other side. Today, Christianity is the largest religion on the planet, but fast nipping at our heels are the Muslims. Are you listening? And we, we, it's so bad now, you can't go to your principal and say, my son, who's in the fourth grade, wants to have a little Christian meeting every day. Can't do it. A Muslim can, can go, though, and they'll let him have one at the drop of a hat. We're living in an age, listen to me, when used to our kids, teenagers, were, were shy and, and they had fun. Today, a lot of our teenagers carry guns, and they kill people, and they're using drugs. What's missing? What's missing is that gut level 
relationship with God where it breaks you to the point that every single time you're even thinking about sinning before the presence of your God, you are on your face repenting. He will use somebody like that. You want to be used? Then get in touch with God's Spirit. Speak to Him. Don't wait on a revelation from me. I don't get them all that often. You, you get a revelation for yourself. First, you can start with the revelation about what God wants to do in your family, what He wants to, you to do with your kids. Bring your kids to church. Thank you, Lord. When James was speaking, you sensed, and he's known for this, uh, he, he allows the Spirit to use him in such a way that everyone in the room can feel the, the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. And that's what we all need, including me. Our church has been called to this day, this hour, and in this town. We're not the only church, and I don't want to be. There's pastors around it, they're so aggressive and they're so ambitious that they're of no earthly good. All they think about is themselves and how they can get on TV and uh, they won't come see you when you're in the hospital. And I, I'm going to say this carefully, but I, uh, Ron, I, you'll see him every, I try to see him every, every day. He, I'm not his pastor, but I've known him for 50 years. He's a good man. I want our church to become known as a church of power and humor. Uh, but you got to be careful with humor. Me, most of all. I, uh, publicly, I've already been to Harley and uh, his wife, Kathy. Apologized to them about two weeks ago or three or what it was. They were sitting back here, and I, I brought up something that Harley did uh, as a teenager that happened down at Becky's A&W, remember that little story? And uh, I went to them and apologized for that. And I'm apologizing to them again in your presence. What, what I thought would have been a good uh, piece of humor to, you know, to brighten up the day or make the sermon better or whatever, uh, it was a hurtful thing for him. A memory that he would prefer to put under the blood. You know what some of your things that you've done in your life, aren't you glad nobody knows about it? And they're un well, So I apologize to you, and I'm going to, you pray for me that I'll be a, a better pastor. You know, when you're up here, the other complaint I get a lot is, that, well, you repeat yourself, you repeat your stories. It's true. And I defend that by saying, well, maybe you've heard the story, but we've got new people in the audience. They haven't heard it yet. But still, I repeat. Don't know why. You know, they, they actually have books out there on examples for pastors, uh, sermon examples. And uh, I guess I need to get a few of those books and put those to, to memory. But uh, I, want, I want this year, I want the main thing I want is I want all of you to meet God in all of his power. I was ministering to a lady that didn't go to church here yesterday. And we were talking about one of her children. And I said, you know, he's, there's, demon, there's demon activity there. She said, I know. And they, they go to a church that doesn't really, well, they might believe in it, but they don't believe that there's anything you can do about it. Yes, you can. So I gave her instructions about anointing her house with oil. Get the devil, you know, the devil gives assignments to demons. Well, cancel those assignments. That's the power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's what that power's for. And I got news for you. The devil and every demon that exists are terrified of you. Only if you believe it. The only weapon they have against you is to lie to you and tell you you're a nothing and a nobody. It's a lie. Everybody say it's a lie. Now listen to me. Don't be like those people that came out of Egypt. 
that God had 40 years. How long will it take God to get you to bow to him? How long? How long will it take for God to get you to where you, ladies, where you will submit yourself to your husband? And husbands, how long is it going to take you to get to the point where you love your wife as Christ loved the church? You may love her, but are you loving her that way? And when, let me tell you something, men. When you love your wife like that, it will spill over onto your kids, and they will start honoring your, their mother. And you mothers deserve all the honor that there is. There's not a man in the world understands what you go through. Childbirth is a good example. I can't even imagine that. Giving birth. Yeah. I'm almost done. I got two minutes. This year, uh, I think the word I'm going to give you is acceleration. You're going to see everything accelerating in the world. Uh, you're going to see uh, pressure being put on us to go to war. You're going to see uh, the acceleration of men and women in our political field who are going to do all that they can to destroy this country. Right now, as I speak to you, the other party is doing everything in their power to set things in order for the impeachment of your president. And they'll do whatever it takes. They'll lie, and they are lying, and we've got to pray against that. And as James said, no matter, no matter what his faults are, they're also his liabilities. I mean, his, his assets. He, he's got... He's got a powerful way of speaking his mind, and when he gets through, people just, uh, they, don't, they don't know what to say. I think we need that right now. So, bow your heads and we're going to pray. Just, just stay with me for a moment. Be real still. And uh, James, thank you for the word you gave us today. My pulpit is always open to you. This bird up here, look at him. He's got stars on his, his body, and his wings are made out of the red and white stripes. I never noticed that before, James, but you're right. Look at that hairdo on that eagle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I wondered if, if, if Trump has a hairdresser that travels with him on Air Force One. <laughs> We might use five or six cans of hairspray on that to keep it in place. Cause And whenever he goes, he makes a big noise. Yeah, he did. By the way, you, I hope you're all aware he is saved. Paula White, who's a lady that's got one of the most powerful women's ministries in the United States, led him to the Lord. And, it, and when he was uh, sworn in as president, if you'll carefully look right behind him and off to the side a little bit, the blonde-haired lady, that's her. She was one of the ones that came up and prayed for the nation. She led him to the Lord. Now, cut him some slack. He's a baby in, in, in Christ. He really is, just like we all were. But I think he's going to have to grow a little quicker than we did. And he, he's going to need our prayers, and he's, gonna, he's going to have to hear the voice of God. He's going to have to know how to break himself, be broken, and lay down in the presence of God. Not just to say, I'm sorry, and not just to take his shoes off, but lay on his face in God's presence, or he will never hear the instructions of the Lord. This world is rotating now to the apocalypse, the end. It's happening right now. And you know, I'm just going to close, but America doesn't seem to be spoken about in the book of Revelation. Did you know that? 
Some scholars say, well, no, she's the, it's, uh, America is the woman in the wilderness, or this or that. Some people say that uh, it's the place where uh, the people in Europe, where most of the, the, the problems are going to happen, uh, the judgments are going to happen, and those people will flood out of those countries to come to America, more so than they are now. I don't know if that's true or not. But I know this. All nations have their evil. We do too. But when you, when you shove that aside, America is the most holy nation on the planet. Yes, we've got our homosexuality. We got this and we got that. We got alcoholics. Go to Ireland, where 80% of the nation's alcoholic. Go to any of those nations in Europe and see how they stack up. We are, we are personally responsible for about 90% of all of the uh, evangelization that's going on in the world. Did you know that? We are, we are either sending them or we are supporting them financially or both. So, Father, we just pray for, you, for uh, our, our world today. Thank you for what James shared. And, Lord, uh, help us to get excited about you. Just, just help us to get excited. And, Father, today, as we walk out that door and we step out into the sunlight, I'm praying that every person in this room will actually feel the presence, the presence of Almighty God. And they'll get excited. You have never lived until you felt his presence. Father, we love you. We worship you. Let's sing this. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my, whatever it is, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. God bless you. You're dismissed. I want you to hug on about three or four people, not in your family. Hug on somebody before you go. I love you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.